G'day and welcome back to another episode of Ideas Digest. My name is Conrad and you may already know the devastating news that my best friend and podcast co-host Cam Ferry died. Uh, So I want to thank everybody for their support. I still have a fair few episodes I recorded with Cam that I haven't released yet. I'm honored to be able to share with you more of the great conversations that Cam and I had. Enjoy these episodes in memory of my best mate, Cam. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people. Categorizing of humans and ideas. You have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas. These things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome back, everybody, to Ideas Digest, the podcast where, Cam, we seek understanding, not agreement. No. My name's Conrad, my co-host with me always, Cam. Yep, back again. Now, just because we question an idea... It doesn't mean that we disagree with it, or we're not trying to pick yeah. it to pieces, are we, Cam? Yeah, no, no, no. It's not about um, it's not about even putting out an idea and saying that that is the right one. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah. That's not the point. Yeah, um, yeah. All we really want to do is take an idea and try and understand it, and we um, use questions yeah, to understand to that. Do that. So now, now we'll be honest. Like this practice may not be for everybody. It yeah. is uncomfortable yeah. to explore ideas that you may not agree with, or perhaps that you might even find dangerous. But you know what I've found, and I think Cam's probably found the same. Yeah. I've found that when I take the time to understand someone who has the idea yeah. i find out my fear was actually probably more due to a lack of understanding sure and when i understand yeah. it i f- you f- i fear it less that's yeah. me anyway yeah yeah definitely. so this is what we're doing here if you are joining us live on instagram you can be a part of the show you can text in questions yeah. to our guests to us and you can direct where we're going and send in some questions to help you understand the idea a little bit better it's not a debate we're not here to prove anybody right and wrong yeah this this week this idea i think it might make some people a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> and it, it was interesting. There's no side that won't get upset yeah, at was, some level. <laughs> I was talking to Cam just before and I said, this is just fascinating to me. Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. And I, I think the more I, I question ideas I don't understand, it excites me. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, I don't get it. Yeah. And so I'm just really excited for this conversation. You've heard him just there. Yeah. We're welcoming back Seth, who yeah. was just... Uh, on a previous podcast speaking about porn. Seth Allen Taylor, thanks for joining Absolutely, us. Thanks man. for coming back. You guys yeah. having me, mate. It was fun. So last time we spoke, we spoke about porn and, and Seth's um, journey with it and understanding of it. Definitely go back and take a listen. Yeah. There's a lot of his background in that, which we won't go into this time. So probably previous listening, go listen to Seth's first episode. You'll understand a bit more of his context, where he comes from. We might recap it for you. Yeah. But like we said, this one's going to make people, <laughs> I think on all sides if there are sides a bit uncomfortable yeah because we were listening to seth's story last week and and this is where we pulled our clickbait from seth was talking about his journey with porn and then he he told a story uh about i mean well well seth what was the clickbait that then you you were talking about last week that we've we've come to today 
Uh, I think you guys you guys came up with the phrase uh, "I deal with demons on the daily" or something like that. I cast out demons daily. <laughs> did you Did you guys come up with something? Like that? Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I feel like in a conversation you said that, and then when you were speaking about your experience last week of being having a demon cast out of you, yeah, we're like, man, there's too much in this. We've yeah. got to come back it and raised, talk about it. it. Raise more questions than and, anything else. And so, if you're feeling we skimmed it a little bit too lightly in yeah. the last episode, fear not. Yeah, that is why we're back. Yeah. He's joined us now. We've clickbaited. He's I cast out demons daily. Like yeah. when I hear that, um. I've got so many questions, but I've also got I've got a lot of judgments I've got to get off my chest, Cam. How are you feeling? Absolutely. We, we've got to we've got to level some judgments. We've heard something. We've we've come up with a whole bunch of assumptions. <laughs> yeah. Rather than running away and telling our friends about how Seth's this, that, and the other, we're just yeah. going to ask him about it and be like, yeah. "Correct us now. Yeah. We've got these judgments. Yeah. Correct us if we're wrong." Um, the first remember, assun- there's no nuance. No nuance. Yes or no. <laughs> um, I was I was watching uh, last week tonight that comedy news show and he he showed the clip of this American uh, charismatic preacher televangelist and he was like uh, coronavirus I blow on you (laughs) and so so that's my first assumption (laughs) Seth that's what you do daily are you some kind of charismatic preacher in the south of America blowing on corona demons yeah no I'm not no disappointing I'd have almost been more excited for this conversation <laughs> if you were. <laughs> no, it's going to be good. Um, so, okay, you're not a charismatic preacher, but are you like some kind of witch doctor then? Uh, that depends on your perspective, but no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Snuck okay, a bit of nuance a bit in of there. Nuance there. <laughs> okay, well, if you're not a witch doctor, then you've got to be one of these like new age crystal hippies. Like you go yeah. into the shop, you're How like, How are your chakras crystal? right now? Yeah, you're like a... Cr- do you identify as a crystal hippie? Uh, I do not identify as a crystal hippie. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know crystal hippies, but even if they would identify. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, okay. Maybe the better question is when's the last time you went into a crystal shop? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, true. that's um, true. Okay, so it's a little bit unrelated, but you must be some kind of like far out anti-vaxxer style, like doctors are evil, modern medicines, like a waste of time. It's all about rain dancing and stuff like that definitely not no <laughs> definitely not <laughs> no. <laughs> right. okay no. the, like this one might sound harsh but we're all friends here i'm yeah. just getting honest assumptions on my chest seth are, are you known to be like a liar or like exasper exaggerating the the truth you know don't let the truth get in the way of a good story kind of guy i am many things but i am not a liar no i am not known to be a liar at all <laughs> right. yeah. okay okay uh-huh. So this this actually this next one this next assumption might actually <laughs> <laughs> counteract that 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 last one. Do you suffer from delusions? Like, are you a delusional kind of guy? Uh, I am human, therefore, probably yes at some level. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I respect that yeah. self reflection yeah. right there. Yeah. And okay. a okay. nice little piece of nuance in there. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, maybe maybe some. Um, Maybe related, maybe not. It's what I think of. If you're casting out demons, Seth, have you raised anyone from the dead? Not yet. No. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. All right. We might come back to that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Good. Well, well, let's start then. We uh, Let's try and recap Seth for people. Yeah. Uh, yep. I got That's the impression 
And Seth can jump in and give us like a two-minute kind of recap. If people want yeah. more information, more depth and more... There is a whole other podcast. whole other episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe that one's called Porn Stars as Priests. Yeah. Uh, that are might, My Priests. Uh, yeah. Might yeah. might trigger you into, yeah. into watching yeah. that one. But Seth uh, is American, grew up uh, Pentecostal. Was it yeah. Pentecostal? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in Africa, though. Oh, for a short yeah. time. Yeah. For a short Lost time in Africa. early. That's... Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And uh, lost his dad at a young age. Mm. Um, got married reasonably young, as a good as a good Christian boy Christian does. Boy should <laughs> um, I'm trying to think like what what are pe- what do people want to know about about people? Seth, give us a two minute rundown of, yeah. um, of who you so are. So I am. Uh, yeah, I was raised raised highly religious, but I my my work has primarily focused on on uh, how the unconscious world plays into the conscious world. So in, in all kinds of, all kinds of areas, mm, but, yeah. uh, but mostly focused on dealing with the deep stuff, you know, uh, addiction and depression and these kind of things. It, it came through my own journey of healing through addiction and, and severe crippling depression and intense anxiety disorders and, and uh, these kind of things. And, and uh, had some pretty radical experiences. So started through seminary, started to really explore uh, the nature of spirit, and what is psycho spiritual work? And so, what I do is essentially that I would I would call it psycho spiritual work, um, but that's that's kind of the nuance of of, of what I what I, I kind of do now. And you're still, and you still identify as Christian? Yes, yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I would say if you had to categorize yeah. me, I would say I would yeah. say I'm a Christian mystic, but I but I very much am a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah, cool. cool. Um, so why don't we why don't we start? You at probably the... yeah. Probably get him to recap his story that led us to where we are in terms of like these particular things, like his demon possession. Yeah. Give, as us, he put give it. us a one minute lead up to yeah. the point where we go on from, and the point that we go on from is is when your wife you said cast a demon out of you. Yeah. So yeah. give us like a bit of a recap run up into that, and that's the point we want to start okay. at. Yeah. All right. I'll try to keep it in a minute, but um. So so. Nah, do it. Long, you can go over. Yeah. No one's timing. <laughs> well, long story short, I I was um, I was you know kind of a classic evangelical white Christian porn addict, and I, I had a uh, um, my brother, my twin brother, was in the same situation, and he went to this place up in Alaska where they were doing um, what they called they called it uh, rapid transformational therapy. But the idea was is that that trauma is an ener- is energy that gets stuck in the body that we hold trauma in the body and that things like porn addiction and alcohol and substances, all kinds of, these are things that we use to medicate these things. And so when he was starting to get some freedom, sure. freedom really, really quickly. And he was teaching me, he was like, you know, teach me how to just basically do things like feel, breathe, feel, meditate. And after a few, after a few weeks sure. of that, I actually started to feel something in my body. And I went to my wife and I said, I, I think there's something in me. And she just said, what do you think it is? Mm-hmm. And I go, I don't know, but I, I don't think it's good. And so I asked her, I said, do you think you could like, you know, pray for me and we could try to get it out. And she's like, I don't know how to do that. I said, let's just give it a shot. So she, 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 I lay down on the bed. She put her hand on me. She started this clunky little, uh, you know, prayer God. We just think there's something in Seth and we were hoping you could help us out here. And it just exploded. And, and I, and it was a very classic, like movie style, you know, uh, in name of Jesus, you know, she's calling down the fire. Um, my body's freaking out bone yeah, right. and I ended up getting knocked out cold for almost an hour and, and my eyes are rolled back in my head and the whole nine yards. And then uh, after, after a lot more nuance, um, eventually this thing popped right out of my body and my addiction was gone. And 
I wasn't an addict after that, but it was a radical, it was such a radical experience that of course, for me, being the curious person I am, I sought to, I, I began to seek to understand the nature of it. And it, it wasn't one of those, I'm going to bring this yeah, into my right. Christian beliefs now. I'm going to walk around casting out demons. I want to understand the role, why it was there, what it was, the role that it played in, 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 you know, in my life, you know, the entire, all the nuance to what it actually was. Like I wasn't satisfied with the kind of the Christian terminology and, and the way people kind of, I was raised with all this kind of spiritual warfare nonsense, but I, I, I actually have this idea that like the war, warfare never made sense to me because the way, especially as, as, as like looking at what Jesus was doing, I was seeing Jesus walking and there was this kind of authority, right? There's this talk about authority. So I just had this kind of idea that if this, if this works, you know, if it works, then, then there shouldn't be, uh, we shouldn't have any type of war, you know? And so I started to seek to really understand it. I went to seminary, went to seminary, started doing all kinds of work and then eventually started to help people with it. And at first I wasn't that great at it. Um, I had some basic understanding, but then things started shifting and I started having, uh, experiences that I could only describe as, well, in the Bible, I guess we would call, would have called them pro- prophetic or prophet experiences, but, but nowadays they would probably call them psychic experiences. So I, I, I've gained the capability now of actually understanding what these things are, what it is, how it works, how, what role they play in trauma and this kind of thing. And then actually feeling and working with those. Things. I've dealt with two today. So we can, we can uh, talk about that. Well, you warmed up for the show. You didn't <laughs> yeah. have to do that. That's some great uh, some homework. That's yeah. awesome. So um, I want to get into like how you view it now, but before we do that, how did you view this at the time your wife was praying for you in it seems like a very charismatic stereotype of a like in the name of Jesus, like yeah, yeah. very charismatic type of of demon cast out prayer. I have no personal experience with it, but yeah, I yeah. imagine that's that's maybe what yeah. what how did you view that at that time? And then what shifted? Um well it, it was a little bit like I'll equate it to this. Like I was playing a soccer game one time and I'm, I'm kind of in the box and I'm wrestling and I'm trying a ball's coming, cro- getting crossed in. I'm wrestling to try to find position to get to the ball and headed in the goal. And a guy that was trying to guard me just turned around and punched me in the face. Right. And, and it was so oh, shocking. It was such, it, yeah, it was such a weird, shocking experience <laughs> that instead of lashing out at the guy and just punching him back, which I did eventually, but like at first I just sat there and <laughs> I just sat there with this literally kind of stunned, like, what just happened? I need to understand what just happened. I don't understand why that happened. And, and that's kind of what happened with this was the, we didn't expect the experience. And, and, and it was such a weird thing to go from years and years and years of, of this kind of unconscious slavery and addiction to this, this intense experience where the thing that was always in me was re- now actually reacting to me, you know, cause there's a, there's an obvious question there. Why didn't it right. react to me before? It's not like I hadn't prayed for help before. Did yeah. you, yeah. Do you uh, like theoretically believe at this time in a Satan fallen from heaven with angels? Uh, demons, angels. I'm summarizing maybe a yeah. traditional view of it. Like there's dark angels and light angels, and there's this spiritual warfare. From what you said before, I think that's not where you kind of would describe it now. But did you believe that kind of like that? Like you would be like Satan is within you. And is that the kind of construction of this spiritual warfare universe you had at the time? Uh, I would say that I, a part of me did have that um, because I, I mean, that programming, that programming was in, was in me pretty quickly. I mean, it was in me, but that it disassembled, it deconstructed itself 
relatively quickly after this but experience. But up until this point, yeah. you hadn't had any experiences like that. This was yeah. the first one. No, I mean, I, and your theology kind of describes I it. I had seen it. I had seen it. Um, but, but kind of in the classic kind of racist oh. missionary style thing where it only happens in Africa kind of thing, you know? So I, when I was in, yeah, you know, yeah, I was yeah. in Africa uh, with an evangelical group in 2002 and we were doing, you know, evangelism in small villages on the coast of Kenya. And I, we encountered it. I was in a church. I had several manifestations, but that <clears> I was in a church at one point and a girl that was sitting next to me hit the floor and she started manifesting demons. And, and, uh, you know, and then of course, but there was a bunch of pastors there and they jumped all over it and they were, I mean, and you want it, man, they, no one calls down the fire like an African pastor. So it was just like, and it was like, four. So it, was, <laughs> it was, it was a pretty epic experience, but and it all fit in my framework. The, the difference was when you come into a strong addiction, like I had where, where, where addiction is really is motion, you know, pushing through you, it'll bring you in, you know, eventually your, your belief systems start to kind of fail you. And when it hits you, you know, specifically, your belief system start to fail, you start grasping, you start going, I'll take anything that works at this point. I mean, I was kind of almost at a point where I was like, if the devil has mm -hmm. an idea that would be effective, I would take that, you know, because <laughs> I was, yeah. I was suffering that much. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So that uh, addiction, when you were kind of on that rock bottom addiction, that opened you up to your more traditional uh, picture of the universe of how like the how devil might be work, problem, yeah. how casting out demons might work. Yeah. And, and that's, I guess what you were open to it at that point as that was happening. Well, I honestly, the only, and I didn't tell this before, but the only reason that I was really open to it was because my brother. So the way this started, I, I don't know if I said this, but, but the way it started is I'm literally driving down the road with my wife and I get a text from my brother and it says, I cast a demon out of myself. And it was just like, literally like looking at my phone, like, All right. huh? And, I, and my wife goes, what? And I go, and I just showed it to her. He showed her the phone and she goes, wow, that's weird. And I go, Let's give him a call and we put him on speaker and, <laughs> oh, <that's> you, know, <laughs> and he's, you know, he's freaking out because he's like, my addiction's gone. It's gone. It's gone. And I'm like, what are you talking? Whoa, 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 slow down. What are you talking about? And, he, and I didn't know he'd been doing any of this work at white Raven center yeah. doing this. And he's just like, he said, you don't understand. Is it? And he just starts to explain to me as fast as he can. But he'd had this experience that he calls a process where he had actually encountered kind of in a meditation encountered this entity and, and then, and, right. and basically told it to leave. And eventually it left. And then his addiction was gone and he was just like, I don't know how to explain it. And so I, so uh, he starts, of course, at that point, immediately, I was like, tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. And I was ready. Anything that was, yeah. and he's my twin. He's my identical twin. So right. like, it's, if it happens to him, it's happening yeah. to me. And so it was this thing where I was, where right. I was so yeah, yeah. open like, to it. You can see a yeah. way out. And so I just started yeah. saying, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And he started telling me, you know, here's what I'm doing. Yeah. I started doing it. I just literally spent two weeks in my closet, sitting, breathing and feeling. That's it. 10 minutes a day, sometimes a little more, just trying to learn how to feel my body instead of think my body, like feel what was going on. Cause, cause he just right. said, porn's not the problem. It's the medication for the problem. And he, I, he said, he goes, so the, the question is, right. he said, what are you medicating? And I was like, I don't know. And he says, well, that's what you gotta find out. So I, but now the, and now the wow. weird thing was, I still remember I'm on this road trip. I was a sales guy, you know, and I was driving all over the Northwest and I drove, I'm driving in my truck out in the desert somewhere. And, and I, I would do this thing where I'd start falling asleep at the wheel. And my tradition for years had been like, if I fall asleep at the wheel, you know, pull up on your phone, pull, pull a little porn, we'll get your, some porn, we'll get your adrenaline pumping and I'll keep you awake. 
So I would do. I started oh, doing that. Oh, I okay. thought you were going to say pull over and have a nap. But yeah. <laughs> that obviously not. No, just, just, just we obviously got taught a different thing down here I'll, in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I missed that memo from the government. No, I, I, I pulled over and I'm way out in the middle of nowhere. There was nobody around, so I pull over. I look at porn. It wakes me up, but then I and then I end up I end up you know masturbating. And then when I did, for the first time, I felt a presence. Like something, something was there, like with me, like like oh. watching me, and I was like, "That's oh. creepy." It was a really creepy feeling, and and uh, and that's when I called my brother and I said, "Hey, I had this experience, and you, would you think this could be having something to do with what you're talking about?" And he goes, "Yeah, that might be like a, a you know, I think he said demon. I think it was the word he used at the time. He said, I think it might be a demon or something like that." And I'm like, "So what do I do?" And he's like, "Well, you, you do what I did, you know." Mm. And of course, I was scared to do that, so I went home and told him, asked my wife to do it, you know. And she's just like, "I don't know." How. But all <laughs> yeah. right, and yeah. then you came home and said, "I think I've got something. Can you can you pray for me?" And yeah. so in can that in that moment, out. you're like, yeah. "Satan is attacking me." Is the, I guess maybe the construct that you were saying. No, so then that's, you pray that, to God for no, that. No, that's or? the thing. I, I my paradigm. I when I think back on it now, my paradigm has shifted. In that drive, my paradigm shifted mm-hmm. from I'm being attacked right. to there's something just in my body, and and it needs to get out of my oh, body. Oh, right. It was a very so it had already changed. Yeah, it, was, it was a very, yeah. it, it, I, I mean, I could, because once you can feel it, you know, that's the, the, the biggest problem is that most people, right. it's, yeah. especially Christians, stay so completely in their brains. Everything is about thought and knowledge, thought and knowledge. I mean, right now we got the coronavirus going on and every sermon mm-hmm. is, everybody's scared shitless and every sermon is about how we've not been given the power, the spirit of fear, but power, you know, God yeah, is yeah, bigger yeah. than the coronavirus. And, and I just want to go stop trying to replace one thought with another and feel that inside your body, feel oh. that fear and actually work with it. So like right. there's real healing available to us right now. Coronavirus is actually showing us a lot of great stuff if we could feel it, you know, right. but we don't. So, you know, we stay, yeah, we stay. Right. In so the you, you're saying that your, your previous world you were a part of, they would, you weren't taught to feel as part of that fra- that Christian framework. Yeah. You just and, handed platitudes, and yeah, and how yeah. we would deal with fear, and how you would say most Christians deal with fear is with through the thinking of yeah. replacing one thought with another. You're going, mm-hmm. well, if I'm scared, we'll just think that I'm not scared and tell myself that God is bigger than my fear, and therefore, and but that's a thinking process. And you're saying in this car ride, you came across a a. You and and did sitting in the cupboard and 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 just sitting and feeling is is that what you think began the process of you Absolutely. being aware enough for in that moment in the truck that you went now I can feel something Absolutely. and that woke you up hundred percent absolute and that's what I do with my clients right. so my clients I start them I start them on a very basic meditation regimen of teaching them how to feel and once they start to be able to feel they start to go right. what is that and they start to be able to identify what's actually going on inside themselves. And that's one of the reasons why the clients that I work with shift pretty quick is because we move pretty large pieces of energy because they start to become aware. So rather than trying to shift from the mind, we shift from the body and then let the mind adjust. If that makes any sense. Okay. So I'm hearing, right. I'm hearing, I want to get into the, you know, the mechanics of what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, but I want to, I want to draw up some parallels and some, uh, Yes, just some parallels between these these two ways of describing these things. So you've got, on the one hand, the traditional Christian description, which would be they are a manifestation of the Lucifer that fell down from heaven that is the opposite of God. There is God, and then there is Satan who is out to attack, to harm, to hurt, to possess, to do all these things. Right, yeah. And you're saying you'd already begun to step away from that. What, 
where do you sit now in relation to that paradigm? Have you gone, like, do you believe that there is a literal Satan in that sense, possessing people? If you don't, then what are these manifestations? Because I can hear a lot of Christians thinking, well, if you've dealt with demons, therefore that's the hardest evidence of God I've ever seen. Because if the devil is real, then vis-a-vis God must be real. Well, okay, so... There's the danger of us cracking into this kind of theological space where we can start going into the history of theology and how it's constructed and all the, you know, I mean, you know, I did a master's in theology, right? So we, we, you, you kind of, you kind of get, okay. you know, when you do that level of scholarship, you get, you get a little peek behind the curtain, you know, about how all this stuff got created and uh-huh. how we created these realms of oh, gods yeah. and monsters and this, and the way that we've constructed that world, you know, uh, what I was seeking to understand, and this is one of the reasons why we were talking before, I've gotten a little more into quantum physics more than anything else, is trying to understand the nature of the universe itself, yeah. um, was rather than understanding it in terms of uh, different characters and these kind of things, what I what I was searching for was what's the right starting point? And what I mean by that is this, like that theology you're talking about that we were fed as kids has a certain start, it has a certain yeah. theological starting point, right? The starting point is, you know, uh, is that, man has fallen, that man requires salvation, that the, that the afterlife is the point of there's certain theological structures that are like, this is it. That's why you hear people say, well, that's just Christianity, which of course it's not, but it are, they are theological structures that are the starting point. What I did was return to a starting point of it's all energy. God is love. Love is, and love is the ultimate kind of that's if God is love and God is like this idea that God is, I am right then the fundamental basis of everything is love, including the dark stuff. Okay. So if we're dealing with demons and Satan and, and in horrible and murder and genocide and rape and all the horrible stuff that we see in the universe, the fundamental starting point that creates all things is love. Right. And of course the scriptures echo, echo this thing. It's why I still value the scriptures because it's echoing all this kind of truth about the nature of the universe. Right. So if that's the starting point, then, then the question for me was like, so if I'm love, and I'm created in this image, right? And I'm love. Then all this, all these stories about Satan and demons and all this kind of the war and all that garbage that we were fed, that is meaningless. It has absolutely no say whatsoever. I, ha- I have one simple task, okay? One task, and that's excavate myself until I'm living within my core nature. That's it. And if I'm in that, nothing can touch me. Like absolutely nothing can touch me. So I just, I, so what I did is I just went back to that core starting point. Now I could, we could get into you and I, you guys, we could go, especially if we had some whiskey, we could go for three hours right now on different theological systems and how they were created. But, 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 you know, but of course the only theology that, that really was meaningful to me at this point was like, what, am I fundamentally good or am I fundamentally bad? And, and that experience showed me that I, right. I, I so that, that's the thing. paradigm shift. Yeah. Yeah, that, that paradigm shift changes yeah. everything, of course, because that, if you're fundamentally good, everything. yeah, you're fundamentally yeah. good. You you pull, I pulled one yeah. piece of shit right out of me, and my and I just I became so much more fundamentally like God, because God's not an addict, right? So like right. like I became instantly, yeah. I I did some subtraction, and I was more like God. And it, and a lot of it, it's interesting. There was this, you know, how some, you know, you, you have your favorite quotes. Everybody's got their favorite quotes. Um, I'd seen a quote and I, and right somewhere in the beginning of this process, I, I saw a quote by Meister Eckhart, this old, like, I think he's 13th century Christian mystic. And he said, the kingdom of God is not found within the human soul by a process of addition, but by subtraction. And so, and I, I right there was like, holy crap, that right. holy crap. That's yeah. the thing. That's it right there. I've got to do that. And so the idea was, I am going to pull 
every just everything out of me all, everything that's nuts all the pain all this yeah. stuff, i'm gonna pull it all out of me until what remains is the kingdom of god and then i think i'll be right and regardless of the rest i guess yeah. the the a weird mechanics of it because I, I i think i understand what you're saying you're saying that on some level, what we call theology, there's many different versions because there's many different religions and there's many different almost metaphorical stories and mythos and language that we use to describe this very real experience. And it seems like what you've said is gone, okay, there's this real experience. This story that my theology has handed me isn't quite helpful in helping me dig deeper. So you've pushed that to the side and you've gone into like that experience itself. And what I guess I want to explore is kind of pull out these these uh, these th- these ways where you, the path where you've gone a little bit differently. So if you're saying that like God, if we are fundamentally good, which is a different starting point from a lot of Christianity, True, uh, yeah. I guess the doctrine that you're referring to that they would have is the depravity of the total of human depravity. That's like the humans the are bad, sin. God is good. Yeah. Um, but then... To unpack that, you, you're saying, okay, no, humans are fundamentally good and everything fundamentally comes from love. And so there, if God is love, then we, then God is within and we are of God, the image of God, that language. How, what are these demons slash entities then? Are they, are like, are, is there some kind of opposite to God, which Christians would call the devil or, or where and, do they come from? And further to that, where do they exist? Like, are they, like you Purely said in human? your story, yeah. that you felt like it pop out of your body? Like, yeah. where in, like, where does that sit? Yeah. In, yeah. Like, Because yeah. I can hear a lot of people saying, whoa, this is getting woo-woo. Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. So, talk us through that. All right. So, I'm going to just, I'm just going to lay it out. All right. What I've discovered over, over, over. Lay it out. Here's what I've discovered since the day that happened. All right. And that was 10 years ago. Okay. And, um, and just, just so you guys know, I deal with, you know, like, like, like the clickbait said, I deal with entities almost on a daily basis, right? Now I call them entities now because the word yeah. demon is just kind of a, it's, it's kind of ruined, you know? And, uh, it's like, it's yeah. too loaded. Yeah. It's like clunky. a speed bump. You just, yeah. he's gone so gone over it so many times it's flat now, you know, but it's, we entities are, as far as I can tell, this is what entities are. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuance to this. Understand there's a lot of nuance to how they behave and, and, yeah. and this kind of thing. As far you, you, just to get to the fundamental question, you asked me over that text the other day. You said, "Do you believe in like a devil or a Lucifer?" And I said, "I, I said I'm yeah. open to the idea that an angel went corrupt at some point, sure, right?" And and which which yeah. I am, which I am. I do believe angels are real. I, I actually I. Yeah. This is why he's annoying everybody because <laughs> he's not. He, he doesn't. He's like, oh, I'm open to that, but it's also this. Like, you can't right. be both. Well, I, entities, as far as I can tell, what they are is that they are. Um. It's like uh, when your ego, your ego creates your, you know, when we have, we have the human ego that creates stories, right? So I, you know, I need that car to be happy. Okay. There's a small example, right? I need that car to be happy. Right. Entities are, are a trauma. Okay. So you have trauma is an energetic experience. So when, when someone is traumatized, they have an energetic fracturing within themselves. It's an actual thing. Like for instance, like a, here's an example would be emotions that get repressed. So when my father died, I had tons of grief, didn't allow it to come out, instead repressed it down inside my body. And now I have this energy in my body that's repressed. It's vibrating at an incredibly low level and it's stuck in my system. Okay. Now where it's stuck, I would say it's actually aligned with the chakra system. Okay. That's where, you know, get into some of the Eastern stuff, but 
but it's stuck. So let's just say it's in my chest and it's stuck in my chest because we hold a lot of grief in our chest. That trauma, as far as what I've come to understand, has the capability, the ego has the capability of, in a sense, endowing it with consciousness. So if you think about like that sci-fi movie where the robot becomes self-aware, trauma has the capability of becoming self-aware. Mm-hmm. It has the capability of becoming conscious and aware of itself. And, and in a sense, it, it, and it can be given a job essentially. So, so, I, so if I'm managing an apartment, an apartment complex, which the ego kind of manages the system to help you survive, and, and 10 of my apartments are filled with, you know, filled with just gunk, if I can turn that gunk to life, give it a job, and now make it part of the system that can help me help this person survive, then it helps. So fear, for instance, fear, if, if somebody's having nightmares a lot, or there's a lot of fear, fear is usually something that is a product of entities actually, uh, it's, it's a product of a story that the entity is helping create. But it's, but the thing is, the problem is, is that right. there's a misnomer, the idea, it's a misunderstanding to say that they are evil. If something is made of trauma, then it's not, then it's, it's consciousness is not one of light, <clears throat> if you will. So, you know, when, when, uh, when I, when I come in and encounter an entity, lots of times I'll feel things like anger or I'll feel sadness or I'll feel at times rage, hatred, things like that. And what I'm essentially feeling usually is the actual energy that it's made of. And what we do as Christians, of course, is we identify with that energy and we go to war with it because it's made of war. If something's made of war and that's all it understands and we come to it and we get sucked right into that same energy. Now, now of course we're going to go to war with it. And, and, and what I have encountered is that, you know, I, I, and I was taught this by a teacher of mine, you know, I remember I used, when I first used to do in meditation, if I'd encounter entities within myself, cause I, I pulled quite a few out, I would, I would like kind of imagine myself pulling out this sword and going to war. Like I've been told, you know, this sort of light kind of thing, lightsaber or whatever. Wow. And I still remember, yeah. I still remember he's leading me through this process one time and he says, Hey, before you do the whole sword thing, he goes, can I teach you something? And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, love is the most powerful force in the universe. And he's, and then he showed me how mm. to love even an entity, even a demon. And the idea, so what mm. I do now is, is when I work with clients, what we do, what I do, what's unique about the therapy that I do is most, most psych, psychological theory doesn't really have a place for this kind of thing. They don't have a place for the understanding of the energetic system, or if they do, they certainly don't give, give it recognition that it might have a form of consciousness. Right. But but I okay. noticed that resistance within people, you know, you, the reason I can help people heal really, really quickly is because, because if you engage that resistance and then you actually transform it, you know, or you transmute the energy, meaning you raise its vibration or you exercise it, meaning you get it to leave, then the system kind of reboots, resets and raises its vibration. So the idea is entities are not, I, I, I see them as energetic beings with consciousness I, I think most of them are born within the trauma that a human being carries. Some of them definitely come from other places, like in, in the sense that since we are all just basically this giant, weird, active balls of energy, we have the capability of bringing them into us in various ways. But it's not necessarily, I mean, we used to, I was raised this idea that you do something bad, demons are going to come in you, you watch porn, demons are going to come in you. And I'm not saying that they can't, I'm not saying that they can't. I'm just saying that it's a lot more mysterious than we think. And it's got nothing to do with being bad or being good. It has a lot more to do with energetic frequency. So when you have, if you're vibrating at, you know, 250 Hertz and you come across an energy that's vibrating at that same frequency, it creates a resonance and it has a capability of intermeshing. Right. I mean, you call it quantum entanglement if you want to, but the idea is that frequencies and energies resonate and connect. 
right? And so if you're carrying a bunch of trauma within you and then you encounter someone else with that same trauma, can you absorb or take on what they're having? Yeah, yeah, I think you could. You know, I mean, we, it's interesting. You go into any grocery store right now in the U.S., you go in there, you will feel all kinds of stuff, super low vibrational frequencies. If you just walk in there, you'll look weird. But if you just sit there and just feel, you'll feel all kinds of frequencies. And if you have a bunch of stuff inside you that's resonating at some super low level, you'll take that right on. You know, and then your ego, your ego will try to help you survive it by creating some ridiculous belief system or conspiracy theory about how the government created coronavirus. You know, I, I feel like we need a bit of a recap. I want to put yeah, yeah, yeah. what I've heard into <laughs> yeah, see, see my what you language came up with, and see if I'm on the right track. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying that things happen, trauma or whatever, happen to people, individuals. And that trauma is carried within their body and that might be in different language, that might be in chakras or in a soul or something. It carries somewhere within the body. Whether or not like we can clarify those constructs, um, you know, in inverted commas, but they exist somewhere within us and your definition of these entities, as you call them, um, I guess my understanding of what you're saying is that these entities are a result of that trauma. And we, we, like, because... The energy we give to that trauma is... And it sounds like... Like, brings it into being, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. like, our consciousness, this is incorrect as if we're we're not (laughs) summarizing it well, but our consciousness begets consciousness... Of these things. These entities, yeah. These entities. Like we, if there's this trauma, the it, is it like, is it one way of putting it like the offspring of the ego? We have an ego that says, I am me. I am not you. I am physical. I am this. It's ego is associated with, this is a bad definition, but associated with just everything thinking mind and who yeah. I am as a construct, as a person, who I think I am, might be the ego. And so you're, you're kind of saying that this ego is giving birth to other tiny little fragmented trauma mm-hmm. egos. That's how, that, like, I'm going to use that, that actually. Offer a different... I, I love that. I'm going to use that. The offspring, oh, okay. Offspring <laughs> just, of the ego. Just citations yeah. down the bottom. <laughs> yeah. well, offspring of the ego is a really good way to put it because the idea is this. Like, okay, so in Christianity, we're growing up in the way I was raised, you know, the devil was a liar, right? That was the big one. There was songs, you know, heavy, fake heavy metal songs, you know, about the devil was a liar, you know, and this kind of idea. And the devil was, and, and that, that demons are mm-hmm. deceivers. And it's funny, actually, because the word demon comes from, I think it's the Greek, is like demiano, I think it's how it's pronounced. And it, and it means little knowing one, like it has a certain kind of knowledge, right? But but yeah, right. We're, what yeah. we're talking about, the reason that they're deceivers is because if a trauma, say say that I was, a you know, say, uh, let's say here's a common one here. I was abandoned, you know, I, I got lost in a grocery store when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I get lost in a grocery store for five minutes. I feel yeah. completely abandoned by my mother, experience a trauma. And there now there's a trauma inside me. And that trauma is saying, I am abandoned. I'm abandoned. I'm abandoned. I'm abandoned. And an entity right. forms from that. Oh, yeah, a little exactly. Story. And that yeah. and an entity forms from that trauma. And now that trauma is, and now that entity carries that same belief and continues to speak that truth into your life in a more profound way. I am abandoned. I mean, and it actually has a capability of resisting. So that it, do, it doesn't actually exist anywhere outside of the individual. So it's like a, like, it's not like you can get 
a walk into demon. a haunted house. Yeah, yeah. it's not like you can and get a, a demon whoop. of abandonment if you haven't experienced that level of trauma. Is that what you're saying? Like, it's not oh. like something comes into you from externally, right? Other than you experience a situation that causes trauma, and and in that in your um, yeah. little metaphor there of of abandonment, that is. Like that's your thing, and it's not like that little abandonment demon or entity leaves you and then goes into Conrad. Like it doesn't kind of work yeah. like that. Conrad yeah, it's not. Was it that? It's not like that. Similar Washington traumatic. Movie. Ex- yeah. Remember the Denzel Washington movie? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not, so is that is that right? Yeah, that's, I don't that's know right. which one was it. Now I will say this. I will say this. I think that most entities exist to help us survive our trauma, especially those with really severe trauma. When people experience really acute trauma. Right. Entities are, are protective. So what they are, in a sense, is they kind of can they can kind of in a sense they kind of it was taught to me this way. It was it was uh, they can kind of camp in your wounds, and they create suffering. They create blindness. But essentially, the, the whole idea of deceiving you is is there's nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. So people with tons of trauma will hold the trauma in their bodies. They'll live in the trauma, and they'll just keep resetting belief systems or whatever they need to do to keep the trauma in the body. That's the role of an entity is to help you just kind of go, there's nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here, but it causes tremendous, tremendous right. amounts of suffering, right. even though in, in its, in its own consciousness, it's actually trying to help. It's trying to help us survive our trauma. The pro- problem is it doesn't help well, us heal the trauma. This yeah, is okay. on right. some level. There is a lot of what you're saying. If people, if people can look past like, half of it there's half of it (laughs) that isn't controversial at all like you look at the statistics of like uh nine out of ten people who have committed like sexual assault against children or pedophilia they have been like a high percentage of them have been abused as children so there's this there's this school of thought that you're saying trauma begets trauma uh trauma um makes people act unconsciously. Like, why does someone murder somebody? How does someone have that capacity? Well, something's happened within them that's disturbed them to make that them... That equilibrium of That love. equilibrium of no empathy, yeah. no love or something. Yeah. And that's not, yeah. a con- that's not a controversial thing at all. Yeah. But to channel my... I'm using some spiritual words there. To channel my um, more materialist, maybe atheist friends, maybe more like scientifically minded people. You've used, you've used a lot of words like energy and vibrations and you're you're annoying i can hear i can hear you're annoying everybody because you're using half spiritual half scientific language so both sides are like oh man this this is a mishmash can you can you talk to us a little bit about what you what you mean when you're talking about like emote like emotion as an energy and an entity as an energy can you kind of unpack that with what your understanding of your use of the scientific language is yeah um you know it, it's funny because it's an re- interesting thing to watch quantum fi- quantum mechanics in quantum physics how it's how it's moving right now um it's pushing into a space where more and more and more you're seeing these kind of ancient understanding and 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 people's experiential understanding of of uh, spiritual things and you're seeing it push more and more towards towards the space quantum physics it's in a sense quantum physics and and ancient spirituality is, is, is gradually moving towards each other. It's kind of like dance partners, reluctant dance partners, but dance partners, nonetheless, you know, the idea, the right. open questions of science yeah. about where, do, where does consciousness come from and what is the nature of the universe and these kind of big questions, you know, people are asking these questions, but there's, there's a whole, there's millions of people that have had experiences that can't be understood yet. Right. In scientific terms, someone will give it a spiritual idea mm-hmm. or a spiritual label of some sort. And then the, the true quantum physicist, of course, is not going to take it seriously because I can't prove it in a lab, even though 
that requires them to turn towards mm-hmm. somebody like myself and say, well, you're clearly a liar. What I'm coming to recognize, you know, I, I'm looking at it. And of course, mm-hmm. a lot of what I'm saying is theoretical, but I can't deny the experiences I have. Mm-hmm. So when I understand it to be energy and I can be, I can literally feel those frequencies within people, within myself, I can feel mm-hmm. those frequencies. Just like if I sit you in front of the piano and start ringing keys, you can feel the difference in the, in the frequencies, right? And, and of course, that's the nature of all yeah. things. This, this we know. Scientifically, we know. Everything is energy. You guys are 99% empty space, right? You're a bunch of weird particles vibrating at different frequencies, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And what, what mm. energy workers like myself or, you know, like the, there's that guy in Goop Lab is giving it a real good name. You know, on, on Netflix, he, they're, they're working yeah. inside those frequencies, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but being they, they their bodies are so attuned to it. You know, some people call that a psychic ability. They're so attuned to that that they can actually hear it, see it. Some people can see it, feel it, and actually work inside those spaces. And so what we're doing yeah. is we're, we're the experience creates the curiosity, which lead, which pulls humankind forward. And the scientists are the ones way behind, honestly, way back on the train, trying to find, trying to say, hey, how can we replicate this? How can we give a scientific, how can we yeah. measure? And, and ultimately, how can we measure it with a machine? That's the thing. If we can measure it with a computer, yeah. now it's science. If we can measure yeah. it with a human being, we're going to have to label them how we want to label them. But, the, but you know, it's like what I, I watched, right. a, I watched Thor, you know, that movie, that Marvel movie with my kids the other day. And I, I love how it, at one, right, that's wonderful. Right. At one point, Thor goes, he says, you know, what your ancient people call magic and you call science. He goes, I come from a world where they're one and the same. And and I think that that where humanity is going and evolving to is that eventually we're all we're going to understand that all human beings are tuning forks for the frequencies in the universe. We carry we are made up of huge amounts of magnetic and, and gravitational fields moving in all kinds of fascinating ways. And if we can learn how to use these things, we can have a much, much greater capacity for creativity and healing. But, you know, and I, but I totally understand why people label it what the way they do. I can teach about different theoretical things of PTSD and I'll have a scientist go, you're full of shit. And I'll go, yeah, but you don't know it. You can't tell me any fact that you can't tell me what the truth is because these are open questions. I'm telling you what I'm discovering in my experience right. and people resonate with it and they're finding healing mm-hmm. and transformation. It's like that, that guy that goes to the, the Pharisees in the Bible after Jesus, the blind guy, Jesus heals him. Right. And they, and they said, well, he heals by the power of Beelzebub, right? And he just said, I don't know. Once I was blind, now I see. That's that's all I know. And and the truth is people are coming to come wow. to this point where if they're yeah. finding peace, love, joy, kindness, mercy, healing, transformation, who gives a shit whether we have the right title for it or not? Now, I think it's important. The people out there that are doing um, the work of bringing these two worlds together is huge and it's important. But, you know, people that sit in their concrete mm-hmm. minds and have to prove it in a lab aren't the ones that are transforming that guy that's depressed or, and, or full of anxiety or wants to shoot himself. You know, you're saying that that scientific world is important. You don't dismiss it. But it yeah. sounds like from your experience, you were existed in a Christian world that had a certain set of stories. Yeah. You had an experience that half fit that set of story. And then you went to... It was to, bigger than that. It like was, it, yeah, kind yeah. of bigger than that. And so yeah. you went searching into it. You studied the theology of it. Mm. And then you also looked at the scientific world and went... Well, that doesn't fit it either. Because yeah. I, I, I understand like your experience. What you're saying is if, if you adhere to us from your experience and what has happened to you, if you adhere to the scientific materialist worldview, then the conclusion is you're delusional or you're a liar. And because they can't, that's the only kind of solution. It's like, well, we can't measure what's happening. We don't yeah. exactly know the frequencies he's talking about or the energies. And yeah. you are talking in this realm of science that mm. science 
is still searching for and is definitely wanting to keep searching for, which is the realm of consciousness. Like Sam Harris, famous atheist, is always talking about this. What is consciousness? Well, we don't know, but we're exploring it. Where does consciousness lie? Is it in the brain? Well, we're not sure. We're discovering there's a hell of a lot of consciousness in the gut. Like They're exploring this. And so it sounds like everything that you've kind of searched into lies in this realm where science isn't opposed to viewing it, but it also isn't currently measurable and you're just saying the reason why i can't just sit with the current scientific measurable data is because that doesn't sit with my personal experience and the christian story wasn't big enough to hold or necessarily help my personal experience so you've kind of paved your own path between or a mesh of both or within all to kind of come to where you are now where um, people on either side of the fence um, might not necessarily agree. Yeah, and I guess my question that results from that is like maybe some people listening might need to understand a bit of like your um, educational background to, for this. Because, to bring you there. Yeah, because like it doesn't sound like you can sign up to Melbourne University and they'll give you <laughs> a degree in what... In Chakras 101. Yeah, that's right. So like how do you... Is it is it some like is there something that you can study that walks you down this like like how did you get to the position where people are paying you money to help you to help them deal with their trauma and their entities so to speak like in the language that you yeah 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 what is that that's a really great question so so just just off the bat I did a master's in theology at a place called the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology which is a very progressive uh, seminary that has that that um, I wouldn't say that they lean into the mystical that much, but they're, but they're okay with those of us that do kind of thing. And, and of course there's plenty of places. Which right. denomination um, would they be more closely aligned to for my Jewish? As far as I know, they're not denominational, but, but uh, I know quite a few of the staff okay. were things like, like Episcopalian, uh, you know, uh, ministers and things okay. like that. Okay. Yeah. But I, but I know that. We call it, what do we call them? I think, Methodist? Yeah. No. Uniting? No, yeah, yeah. Anyway. yeah. I mean, it's it's quite progressive. It's quite progressive, but we we didn't we didn't. Okay, you know, I I went in there right on the heels of this thing because I walked in with my Christian beliefs just shattered in a million pieces, going like somebody help me make sense of this. And so I, I ended up moving through that experience um, and then starting to learn. I was really studying the Desert Fathers and the Christian mystics. I was really looking into uh, where some of the more body based theologies and psychologies were coming from. Um, I ended up actually going through my school, going on pilgrimage and I started discovered the Celtic, the Celtic stream of Christianity, which is, which is actually quite mystical. And it's, it's unbelievable. It's the most beautiful vision of Christianity I've ever, I've ever said, you know, I've ever seen the work of John Philip Newell had a yeah. huge impact on me in, in finding kind of new life yeah. when it came to that. And so I, I kind of reassembled this thing. And then what's fascinating is I get paid and I get paid well to do, to help people. And I have my client load is lit is full and uh, pretty much all the time. And, and the only reason that is, is not because I don't have a PhD in psychology and I didn't, I don't have some sort of theory. It just started working really well. And when something, and I don't market and I've never had, I've never gone out and I, I think I've popped a couple things on Facebook. That's pretty much all I've ever done. And, and it, it but because yeah. people are finding healing, they keep coming and, and I, and I'm doing work in the sports world and I'm doing this all kind of stuff because I just, the, the hard part of my job is that because I did discover it's something kind of new and it's a mashup of a lot of different stuff. And I saw some work there and I saw some here and then I started having these experiences and following my intuition and following how the spirit was leading me. And it started working so well that I just, I, it takes a, quite a bit of faith to be honest with you, just sometimes to step out and even to say what I'm saying to you guys right now and just be able to boldly say this 
knowing that yeah, most yeah. people are just going to be like, what the hell? I don't know what you're, what you're talking about. I know a few guys like Craig's on board with this, but, yeah, yeah. but, yeah. but there's, it is one of those things where, yeah. where I, I, we walk by faith, not by sight. So what I do is I, I, when you see something, right. you see people yeah. being transformed and healed there, you see the fingerprint of God. And I'm not saying that I'm special in any way, shape or form. I just oh. know that, that what I've discovered, there's a truth to it. It helps people. And I'm just trying to follow that the best I can. Yeah. So, so, so your experience personally, and then as you work with people, the things that you like, the experiences that you observe, those people have having, yeah. they are the things like they're your only tangible things to say this works because it's helped so many people. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and eventually, yeah, yeah a, that's the funny thing about a, it because I can't tell you. Well, here's the five theories that have been studied over the course. I, I've been doing this for four sure. years, and so I've got a pretty large sample set, and so I can go. No, this clearly works, and I'm at a point where yeah. I'm at a point where I can start to. It's 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 has a formula to it, and I can start to write it. I can even teach it. I've had a couple of psychologists ask me to teach them my modality, which is you know I guess a psychology term, but I right. I can I can teach these things, and I do this work yeah. you know at a pretty high level. But it is, it does feel like I'm out there on my own in a bit in a bit in a pretty big way, to be honest with you. Yeah. 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 So All give right. us give us yes. your picture then when you look out at at the world and you go, I'm encountering. You said before you came on the show, you just dealt with two entities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does everybody have these entities? The Cam and I, how ballpark and how many yeah. we got each? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the over under. What's the over under? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. The, uh, Are we above average or below average? Or <laughs> I do believe. I actually personally believe everyone has them. Yeah, I think it's a very common part of the human experience. I don't. I don't think it's a big deal at all. Right. Um, I encounter it on a, on such a regular basis in every human being that I've ever worked with um, that it's not a, and, and, and I find some, you know, sometimes you'll find ones that are more intense than others, more severe than others. You'll find ones that have more ownership of a person. I mean, I sat up with a friend last summer in the ER, he tried to kill himself and, and he was, he's drunk and cocaine and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I, it was about three in the morning and I'm sitting with him and he's handcuffed to a bed and he's asleep and I can feel an entity in his chest. And I literally spoke to me. And it just said, I own him. And I literally, it was so, right. it was such an intense experience. It was such a, right. it was such a, a kind of like palpable experience. I just said, I know, I know you do. Yeah. And I just, you know, and, it, and, and that entity, man, I've actually worked with him since and we've actually confronted that entity, but it, but it's a, I think it's a very common, very, very common part of the human experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what is that? Um, like talk to us more about like that, like the mechanics of this this mm. whole process. Yeah. Like you say that you just spoke to like this entity, which we've yeah. kind of established is as a result of trauma and and then the 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 person who has that trauma is then energizes that and then that somehow like there's all, all there's a lot of stuff that we don't really understand sure, about sure. it, but from what I'm sort of starting to pick up from you, it is in some way like a thing like if you're having a conversation with it like that's it's fairly tangible yeah um or sentient yeah sentient at, at, at least so talk to us about the mechanics like what do you hear is it something that like if i walked into the room or the nurse walked into the room like are they going to hear it like what's like what level are we at here are they, is it is it something that you have to be really in tune with or yeah, yeah. um yeah, it, it to be it, it wouldn't it, like let's just let's just say this like if you and me say you and I, you and I worked with each other and uh, did four or five sessions together, and you did the the practices that I told you to do, you'd be able to feel it pretty quick. 
Um, and, and, and it's not, yeah. it's just, it's just one of those things where most people don't have labels for these things. They just don't understand these things. And these things stay under wraps in the unconscious pretty, pretty solidly. The mechanics of it is, you know, we would just start, say you and I did some sessions and I would first start to go, well, what is it you want to change that you struggle to change? And so you said, well, you know, I'm addicted to, you know, I have a thing, I have a foot fetish. I got a way, I mean, way into toes, you know? And I, and I said, well, well, what's wrong with that? Okay. You know? Yeah. And, <laughs> I, and I just, I said, well, what do you have a problem with toes? And you know, well, I just don't really want, I've tried to stop and I can't stop. Anytime somebody says that I go, well, you know, you know you try to stop and they can't stop. I'll get it. Actually, let me give you an actual real example. Okay. I had this kid, he comes to me, he's a soccer player. He's a senior in high school. He's never had any religious background whatsoever. None. All right. And he comes to me and it's very simple. He says, I just, he goes, the thing is, he goes, I get intimidated and he's going, he's heading to become a college player. He said, I get intimidated by players that I know are better yeah. than me. And I was like, Oh, interesting. I said, what's that? Uh, what's, what's that feel like? And he goes, I just don't want to be intimidated. So what's that feel like? And he said, uh, I think I, I just, he goes, it feels like I don't want to play. Like I kind of get stuck. And I was like, okay, well that's a thought, you know, I don't want to play. I go, what's the, what's that feel like? And then he went frustrating. I go, okay, that's another thought. You know, what is frustrating feel like in your body? When you feel frustrated, what do you feel? Yeah. And his attention was starting to kind of come down more and more and more to his body. Finally, after a few minutes of this, so like winding down to we're actually feeling, he says, uh, he says, yeah. it's in my chest. Like I have this tightness. It's a pain in my chest. I go, right. Is it a sharp pain? And he goes, yeah. And I, of course I could already feel it inside of him. And so he's just like, yeah, it's kind of a sharp yeah. pain. I said, well, what is that? He goes, I don't know. I go, well, if I open up your chest, what am I going to see? And he's like, probably nothing. I go, yeah, I'm not going to see it. You're not going to see it, but you feel it, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, so it's it's energy, right? It's energy. So okay, so he, he's identifying this pain in the chest, right? And it's and and it's clearly energy. It's not like yeah. there's not a malignant something in his chest. There's there's an energetic form in his chest. So when you deal with energy, you can't deal with it. Like, you know, like, you know, I can't reach in with pliers and pull it out. Right. So you have to deal with it on an energetic level. And, and, and I've discovered. And he said it would felt like a tightness yeah. and a sharp yeah. tightness. That's how he experienced yeah. it. Was it. A it was a sharp okay. pain. So the whole idea is if you want to discover what that was, what I do is I lead people into I we, we call it I, I call it a matrix, you know, just because it, it technically that's what it is. A matrix is a basically we kind of use a guided visual experience to create. It's an essentially creating a dreamscape. Like if you think about what a dream is, a dream is a matrix, right? It's a, your unconscious projects a certain vision of a certain reality. And then your unconscious fills that right. projection. You know, that's why you can have a nightmare because there's something filling, you know, you're running through a house made of, you know, marshmallows or something like that. And then you have a ghost chasing you, right? Well, the, mm. the, there's a structure that yeah. the, the unconscious created. And then there's a structure, there's something that the unconscious filled it with, Right. And that's the, you know, the ghost or whatever that energy is. So, so what I did was create, we created a matrix and, and I understand that when you visualize darkness has a low frequency, light has a high frequency, right? That's why, that's why when you watch a horror movie trailer, it's not like running it. Like vibrational speed. That's what you're talking yes. about. Yeah. 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 High frequency, low frequency. You're just dealing, you're dealing with speed, right? It's a difference between a, you know, like kind of a stagnant mud puddle versus a flowing brook. Right. And you know, it, right. you don't, when you watch your average horror movie, it's done in darkness, right? You're not seeing like something that's in a, you know, sunny, beautiful field with flowers, right? It's, it's in a dark tunnel somewhere because, because the frequencies mm -hmm. are low 
and we want people resonating at that low, low level in order to feel the, the, you know, the chills up the spine and all that kind of stuff, which is just all this low vibrational energy that's stuck in your body reacting, oh. reacting to it. If you, you actually watch like pull up a, a good, a good scary trailer and you watch it and then you just pay attention to your body's reaction to it. Just let go of the thoughts, but let your body react to it. You'll mm-hmm. feel all kinds of low vibrational energies just resonating. You know, that's what all that chills up the spine is, as as resonation at a frequency level. Right. And so what we do is I have as a as oh, no, keep going. Uh, well, well, what I did with him was I said, OK, so it, it's an uncomfortable feeling. So it's clearly a low vibration. I said, so let's just visualize. I cr- we created a matrix. I can't remember what I had him see. I think I had him. I think I had him walk into his house or something like that. And and but it is at night. All the lights are off. Walk into your house and I want you to just feel and I want you to. And then all of a sudden this stuff starts firing up. I said, just feel into the room. I said, now look in the room. And of course, his unconscious is going to project whatever this stuff is. It's going to project it into into this dreamscape that he's created. So I said, just just look in the room. I said, now I go, tell me if you see anything looking back at you, anything, any if there's anyone in the room with you. And he said, yeah, I, I see something. What is it? And he goes, I don't know. It's like a something standing in the corner. And I go, okay, good. I said, let's go have a chat with this thing. And we still go, we go start having a talk with it. And what I ended up doing is we kind of get creative. I just had him, I had him, I think he used a soccer ball or something and he had him turn it into light and we just visualized light. And this thing, you could feel it. Boom. It just starts shifting because the energy, that high vibration hits it and it starts working with that frequency and actually starts, we ended up transmuting that entity and his chest went completely clear like warm fuzzies and he comes out of it. He just goes, Whoa, what was that? And I go, well, I go, do you have any religious background? He goes, no. I go, well, okay, well I'll explain it like this. And I kind of explain it. Well, he went, we did this over the first three sessions. We did that every single time. And we got to the point where it was a piece Mm. of cake. This kid moved so fast that he jumped his play, his play on the field, radical shift. Right. And then, and then it's weird because we did 12 oh. sessions together. And then later on, it's about a year later, I was talking to a friend of his who's kind of a mentor of his. And he's like, yeah, he's going through a bit of a confidence crisis. And I'm like, really? And I go, yeah. I texted him. I said, Her word has you, you know, where does you have a confidence crisis? And he goes, yeah. I said, you need a session? So he gets in a session with me and I go, what's this confidence crisis feel like? And he's just like, oh, that's right, my chest again. I go, oh, interesting. I said, let's go into that. And boom, he cleared it right out. And all of that just cleared up. And it's just, it's just energy. So the the most important component of it isn't the fact that it has consciousness or the, whatever we want to call it. It's just trauma. This is a way to move it. It is important. I think it's important that we acknowledge that it has consciousness because consciousness has its own will and will can resist your will. So when we talk about who's running the show inside your body, the question is like, if something, if you're pushing a, trying to push a door open and there's something pushing back against it and you just sit there and go, well, I guess we're never going to get this door open or, I can think the door open. You're not going to. You have to know how to push harder or understand the nature of the thing that's pushing back. So uh, our our consciousness in what you're talking about, it sounds like our consciousness. We usually think of consciousness as one yeah. thing. Consciousness is this one stream of thought. It sounds like when I'm listening to you, it sounds like that we that this consciousness like like we like I said before, it creates like offspring and creates other conscious things and and that will. So when you're when you're talking about the 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 kid with um, dealing with his entities and he's in that dark room, yeah. um, and would you say then when people experience ghosts and things like yeah. that, would your assessment of that 
taking your logic, B, like you you said it, projecting what is the internal into the external real world, yeah. like what you might actually see or... Yeah. It's like that narrative part of the brain is filling in a whole bunch of yeah. information. Is, would you put it that way? Um, I think that's I think that's part of it. Ghosts are different. Ghosts is a different is a totally different thing. Like if you're dealing with ghosts, you're dealing with actual soul parts of human beings okay. that are stuck. Like where, where you have trauma occur in a space and a per- person can experience that PTSD, that shattering of the soul, right? And that part of them can get stuck in different space and time. So when you're encountering a ghost, oh, it's, you, it, you know, okay. that's why we tend to associate ghosts with, tr- with spaces where bad things happen, right? So there's trauma, there's soul parts that can actually get stuck oh. and they're not, they're unable because trauma creates a time loop and you're stuck in space time. You're not able to cross over and actually move beyond this life once you die kind of thing. So, you know, my mother-in-law bought a 120 year old house and, and there was one room we had to sleep in and you just have nightmares every time you sleep in there. Well, there's a bunch of ghosts in there. And once we kind of, like, hey, wait a minute, we need to we need to oh. deal with whatever's going on in this room. We just went into it and, and it was soul parts. It wasn't entities. It was parts of people. You know, it was essentially what ghosts are. So that's a totally different. Maybe we have to do another episode on ghosts, but it was. A, that's another wow, episode. That's another episode, oh, episode the right there. All right, all right. <laughs> Every time we talk to you, Seth, right. more questions keep coming. We'll, we'll, put, a, we'll put a pin in that one <laughs> yeah. because that's a whole other, other thing. Um, yeah. I, I want to. I'm. As I, as I hear you talk, you're talking about frequencies and things. And I remember being, oh, maybe I was in grade 10 and I'd play the drums, as you can see behind me, my precious drum kit just there. Um, and I was at a Christian school, Christian church. And I remember talking to one of my friends, he was a bit more conservative. And he was, he was saying like, yeah, yeah, no, you can't play like Hillsong and, and rock music in church. And I'm like, what? Why not? And he, he, he was like, nah, it's all, it's the frequencies. If the frequencies are a certain note or too low, they're bad yeah. frequencies. And I remember being like, what the hell is this guy yeah. smoking? Yeah. But I want to draw out that like, that almost whether you agree with that assessment or not, like don't listen to certain types of music because it's a certain frequency. Yeah. Mm. I want to draw that correlation between how the maybe radical conservative views that Yeah. And kind of what you're talking about, which is on the same level, seems sort of similar, <laughs> yeah. even if the application may be different. What are your yeah. thoughts to that? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting when it, you apply it to music because there's there's a whole uh, there's a whole strand strand of frequencies that are known as the satanic frequencies, and they're actually frequencies that. Okay, and remember this is where you, yeah. this the, the, some of the research is being done is how it affects crystalline structure. So you've probably seen something online at points where someone's talking to water and they're looking at the structures through the crystalline structures through. Oh yeah. And those things. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. music, ha- yeah. frequencies of music can have that effect. And this is the same thing they're doing in, uh, there's a lot of research and cancer research being done on how to use frequencies. Can frequencies, you know, deal with cancer cells in certain ways? Well, you know, if you were to work at, look up satanic frequencies, if you Google that, or if you Googled something called sulfagio solfeggio harmonics, which is S-O-L-F-E-G-G-I-O, so yeah. federal harmonics, those are frequencies that are healing frequencies. And so a lot of people will meditate to federal oh. harmonics. So yeah, all those things, all those actually things, there's a reason that certain notes have certain effects. And why, and my, and if someone's a real, real serious artist, they'll usually have an, they'll usually have a, a concept of this. A lot of worship music is built around really high frequencies. That's the reason like worship can be such an ecstatic, almost uh, transcendent experience. Even, even if you're not, if I went into your average church right now mm. and experienced the quality of music they're playing, even though I don't believe what they believe, I would still be like, Whoa, you know, cause it's just coming in you. I'll still listen. So, okay. Yeah. Here's yeah. the question though. 
can I play drums in church? <laughs> and can I play minor chords? calling the devil in. <laughs> Craig has just said, can, can, don't play minor chords. Can I play minor chords and can I play oh, drums man. in church? Or was that grandma when I was yeah. 10 years old? Was oh, she man. right? You know, you know what's funny? I was a kid. It was the same way. We were told. It's a weird thing, too, because I had like a Michael W. Smith album that had... We, I could listen to every song except for one because there was a pretty crazy guitar solo in that one, you know, and, and I still, but, but that yeah. was the old, the, can you do a shred of guitar? Yeah, the, the, the old school, like I remember Bill Gothard or whatever the, the, he would travel, the old school guys, they talked about that stuff. Like how this stuff's really, really evil. If it gets your body, if your heartbeat gets going, it's, it's evil in some way. And it's, and it's really something, man. It's a fascinating thing. I mean, you can see, I guess I could see how they see it. If you look at the scriptures, if you read scriptures through a certain lens, you know, there's things like, you know what, you know what, remember the Holy of Holies? Remember how the, they had this, the tent, there's the temple, right? And you have the holy place and you have the Holy of Holies. And the priest mm, yeah. would go into the Holy of Holies mm, once yeah. a year, right? And he'd have these bells on the bottom of his yeah. robe that, that would make these sounds. And they would tie a rope around his ankle. Because if he fucked something up in there, he'd die and they'd have to pull him out, right? And nobody could go in there. And and yeah, and yeah. the way I read that, and you know, like when someone, you know, touches the Ark of the Covenant that kills him. Or, you know, when Moses gets put in the cleft of a rock because God, he wants to see God, but God's like, hey, you don't really know what you're asking, you know, and I'm going to put you in a cleft of a rock to protect you right. from me. Or Isaiah's like, ah, you know, I, yeah. I'm unclean. I see that all in terms of frequencies because I, I understand there. I've had experiences right. that are so ecstatic and so transcendent that the vibration of the higher the vibration goes, it's even though it's good, it can be incredibly painful and uncomfortable because it's so high. So like, I, I, I think I understand how people would get into these certain spaces when they're, and they would, they always interpret it from this really archaic primitive level of consciousness. And they didn't, there was not an understanding. And of course they're dealing, they're all dealing with entities inside themselves. Grandma had an entity inside of herself. That was part of that process, you know? So she's, she's interpreting it from this warfare standpoint and it was, all, right. it was all helping her survive. Oh, so. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so are our emotions, are they reactions to frequencies or frequencies from your assessment? Well, emotion is energy and it will have a frequency or an energetic signature. So anger has a different frequency than sadness. Happiness has a different frequency than, uh, okay. than right. you know, joy is a slightly And is that way. something that you can sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, when in, I'm, like in a room? Yeah, right. Um, you'll get, sometimes you'll get it trapped in geographical spaces in a room or something like that. Most of the time you, you sense it in people. Like if I'm working with a client, you know, and they have a bunch of grief trapped in, or, you know, you yeah. can sense fear. You can sense, I can sense anger. You know, you can see, you can feel anger within somebody, you know, uh, I had a guy one time, he, you know, he, he yeah. come in and he's, I'm, I'm teaching him in our first session. He's just agreeing with everything I'm saying. Yep. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And I can tell he's protecting himself. And I finally said, I said, time out. I said, I need you to stop agreeing with me now. And instantly there was a spike of rage and he just said, he was sitting there with a completely clear face, but I could feel this intense rage come out through him. I said, you feel that anger? And he goes, right. Yeah. And I go, Okay, so what we need to deal with that, you know, and we're going to go into that. So it, it has a different. It all. It's like if you become attuned enough, you know, the, the ability is called clear sentience. And right. you, you become attuned enough, you can. It's almost like there's somebody playing a piano everywhere, and you can feel, you can hear the different frequencies of what's going on inside somebody. And and this is known yeah. as I, I saw somebody comment said empaths unite. Like this is you know typically an empath is someone who can sense and, and feel energy in that way. And a lot of people are very empathic but don't know it. Or very empathic and they think that means i can feel mm. your emotions but they don't recognize that what they're actually feeling is energy and their brain is interpreting it and then just right. you know so we'll end up carrying a bunch of you know i'll feel somebody's pain and i'll cry tears because they're crying tears but i'm not necessarily understanding what's really happening i'm just feeling their emotions you know? right. uh, yeah. so 
so I want to touch uh, touch on a few different things. Um, it's interesting to me that you me- we mentioned before. There's that um, idea within there's the idea within Christianity that is demons are real, but we don't see them in the West because what we see in the West is mental health, schizophrenia, all these sure, diagnosable right. yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But then we always hear the missionary come back and he's always like, but in Africa, like I cast out demons. Yeah. Like personally, I would always hear stories of a pastor or stories of a friend or always one degree, one and a half degrees of separation, always with this story. Yeah. Demons right. were in Africa. Right. They weren't here. And it sounds like from what I'm hearing from you, you're saying, no, you're saying, yes, it happens in Africa, but it also happens here as well. We just have a different language. But we, I guess, maybe, uh, would you say we're better at hiding it because we yeah. have the, uh, medic- we've medicalized the language, we've, yeah. uh, we have stronger ego identification. Yeah. It sounds like, like, it sounds like you're saying, oh yeah, there are demons in Africa and here yeah. as well. And we can still, I guess, exercise them to use the yeah, traditional yeah. language. Yeah, I would absolutely 100% agree with that. The way you said, when we say that we're more ego identified, we definitely are. I mean, in, in Africa, it, life right. is a more embodied thing. I spent a lot of time in Africa and, and there's, it's a much more, life is an embodied, there's an embrace of experience in that way. They're not, they're not as trapped in their heads. And some of it too is though, is that it's their, it's their ancestry. Like you're like our ancestors, you know, a thousand years ago, were already stuck in their brains. You know what I mean? And and they, and now, trust me, you give you give Africa a couple hundred more years to get civilized, and they'll and they'll be stuck in their brains just as much as we are. But you know, we're we're just we've we're a much more yeah. repressed culture historically for thousands of years. We've been repressed where we just right. they just started getting repressed. And, when uh, we up, Seth you know? did so. do air quotations around civilized, just just <laughs> yeah, so people yeah, don't yeah. miss here what yeah. he's saying. He says civilized. He's not just yeah. not saying that. Um, yeah. And Okay, so let me let me be a captain skeptic over here. Yeah. There, there's there's the angle where you mentioned Goop Lab, and this is I think this is you know quite a reasonable standpoint to take is that Goop Lab have been accused. I think I vaguely followed it. They've been accused of like uh, misleading people with certain products, making yeah. claims that aren't proven or can't be proven, or, course, or things yeah. like that. Uh, sure. What what um. What do you say to that? Like all the ideas you're talking about always seem somewhat associated with um, these types of people. There's like the naturopaths that uh, personally experienced my wife went to. It really helped her. But then there's the naturopaths that are just selling bull, like BS, Uh, just not helpful um, things. So how do you disentangle that? Like is there good and bad or is – this natural stuff actually better than people think or are there, what do you think of it? Yeah, I think, well, I think that ego, every human being has an ego. And just because you've discovered something about the nature of the universe that maybe some other person hasn't, and you've discovered an ability in that space, doesn't mean that your ego can't completely jump on board with that and take over. I mean, the ego doesn't care. The ego wants to hijack anything and everything, including spirituality, healing, education, theology. It'll hijack everything that we call good, right? And so I've, I've watched people that are very gifted healers, very gifted healers live and work in their egos and their, their healing capacity becomes, becomes limited or they end up kind of getting caught in jealousy or, you know, anger, frustration, especially when money gets involved, you know? So I think that 
when I'm when I'm with people, I'm not necessarily looking at just what they're doing. I can see principles. You can go, well, clearly that's a, if it works, it works, especially when it comes to things like medicine. If it works, it works. Like when somebody gets on a table with an energy worker and they come out going, I feel so much better. You know, people love to go, well, that's false. It's a placebo or whatever. Well, who gives a shit? Like if you feel better, that's what matters. Right. right? So the idea, the idea of whether 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 it can be corrupt of course it can the ego loves to jump on board of anything it can that's why that's why the ancient path of enlightenment was was first and foremost about breaking the ego because no matter what you learn no matter what spiritual gifts came up no matter what happened you know this is paul the apostle paul you guys are bible guys the apostle paul was huge on this he talked a lot he said you can have all the spiritual gifts in the world mm. but if you don't have love you got nothing Right. He said that you can have everything. You can have miracles and prophecies and no matter what it is. But if you have not love, you're a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Right. So the idea is, is that our job and my job, I know this, my main job is to break my ego, humble myself, reflect and, and do my work on myself. Because I, the worst thing in the world is when you're up in a space where your ego's running the show and you're trying to tell people stuff that you can't, you don't actually embody yourself. Then you, then you end up in a lot of trouble. Right. Okay. So what's, um, like you're bringing a bit more, um, of Christianity back Mm. into it. So, um, let's talk about Jesus. Like, um, how do you view Jesus Mm. now with the knowledge and the experience that you have? Um, what, like, talk to us about like what you understand Jesus to be. Yeah. Well, again, for me, when it comes to theology, I'm always, I'm always asking where's the starting point and the starting point is what we do know. Okay, what, what's actually historically substantiated? If we ask the question, what's actually historically known about Jesus and is substantiated? Only two things. He was a Jew, he's a Jewish rabbi, and he was killed on a Roman crucifixion cross. Those are the only two things that we actually know. Everything else, including what we see in Scripture, is conjecture because it cannot be historically substantiated. There's too much, too much stuff that's askew. So the question isn't, you know, I'm going to ask a more Jewish question. The question is what I believe about Jesus. So it's the question of what does it mean, right? What is what did he do? And that's this is what we call Christ, the, the discipline is called Christology, right? The understanding of the Christ, who who Jesus was, what he what Jesus did, and what that means for us. And so, for me, my understanding of Jesus mm-hmm. is probably much more in line with the, the Celtic way, the ancient Celtic path of understanding right. that the Christ that the, the Christ and Richard Rohr articulates this really well. He calls it the cosmic Christ is the is the theology and that the Christ. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the Christ, what you see in John chapter one, when it says, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, you know, that it describes this thing and it talks about how it came and we knew him. It, Jesus embodied the Christ, but the Christ existed long before Jesus and existed long after and was embodied within, but can be embodied in all of us. And that's what it means to be one with Christ, to be walk in Christ, right. to be in Christ, to live in Christ is to embody that part of God within ourselves. So when Jesus is becoming, you know, the Christ wasn't his last name, right? The Christ is a title, right? And so my understanding was Jesus, I I believe Jesus to be a man who fully, fully came to embody the Christ, to embody God. Some people would probably call it enlightenment. Some people would call it Buddhahood, whatever term, different people are going to have different understandings of what that means. Some people would say, the Hindus would probably say unity consciousness. But my understanding is when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and embodying that, he was talking about something we can all come to. He wasn't, he was the firstborn among many sons. He wasn't the only one. So I think that we can all come to right. the new ages. The yeah. new ages like to call it being Christed, mm-hmm. right? They, they say you can become Christed. I, I, I like to believe, and I do believe that all okay. people can come to embody the same power, the same truth, the same love, the same energy that Jesus did. And I think that's why he told his disciples that, you know, I tell you the truth, you will do greater things. Than I. 
So that's what I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and to the question that I think a lot of Christians will always come back to, because I think it's a part of the story that they, that they really hold true to, that they will ask the question, well, do you believe Jesus rose from the dead and, and died for our sure. sins? Like yeah. that's that the part of theology. Yeah. What, like, what's your yeah, take on that? Theory, you mean? Wait, you're asking about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a good well, one. Well, I, I do, I do believe. I, I'll tell you a little story to illustrate this one. So, I, when I when I went to on pilgrimage to Iona, the Holy Island in Scotland, and I went there, and I was at a there's a fifteen hundred year old abbey there, and I was there with the author, with John Philip Newell, and I was really hounding him about a lot of stuff because a lot of my stuff was falling apart. Because once you start making room for the fact for the idea that you are fundamentally good, and that God is love, and that there's this mystery mystery at the heart of everything when mystery becomes the heart of everything everything starts everything's up for grabs right mm. and the first one of the first big things everyone that deconstructs yeah. encounters is well what about jesus what about the crucifixion and i was wrestling with this at the time yeah, and exactly and i'm walking with him on this old road and i and i and everybody else had already kind of left and gone to this chapel and and i was with just with this old sage of the you know saint of the celtic church and, he, and i said to him so i'm just gonna say i'm gonna say a phrase and then you just tell me what you think. And he goes, okay. And I said, uh, Jesus died for the sins of the world. And then he said, he just looks at me, sweetest old guy, man. He's just amazing. And he said, see this cross right here? And he pointed out and I looked up and I didn't even know we were there, but St. Martin's cross, which is a very famous Celtic cross was standing there really high, one of those high standing Celtic crosses. And he said, see this cross here? And I said, yeah. And he goes, it's, mm. been, it's been standing there for a thousand years. And I said, okay. And he goes, it must be standing for a reason. And then he just walked away. <laughs> I was like, what? Classic non-answer. What do you think? It was kind of badass. It was like a mic drop from an old guy. And I just, but I, and I chased after him. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I chased after him. And I said, but you didn't answer my question. And he said, he said, you know, he goes, Jesus probably knew he was going to die when he went to Jerusalem. And he probably shouldn't have gone. And that was it. That was the last we talked about it. Um, and it was, a, it was a fascinating thing because I just yeah. stood there and I, because I wanted to understand what he was really trying to teach me. Because what he was trying to teach me was Jesus was on a mission for a reason. And it was a very profound reason. But yeah. but John John Philip would not allow me to see Jesus as an American, you know, which our theology over here, I don't know how it is there, but our wow. theology here is very American centric. It always has been. And and he 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 understood mm-hmm. that Jesus yeah. was not living in the age of the internet. Jesus was a Jewish rabbi that died for the sins of his own people. And he was searching, he was searching for a freedom within his own people. And the idea that it could go out, that this right. same truth could go out to the world is because this truth within every human being was available to all of us. And I don't believe that Jesus was intending for it to be a religion 2000 years later. But I, I think that we can say that mm-hmm. Gandhi, that Gandhi died for the sins of the English empire. I think we can say that MLK died for the sins of white America. I think, I think that, um, that Nelson mm-hmm. Mandela has died for the sin of the Afrikaners. And I think that that is a very important recognition that we yeah. understand that the Christ is to come and, and lose your life for the sake of that love is, is the, the greatest embodiment of the, of the message mm. of Jesus. I think that's what they died. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing a lot as you're talking, like through this whole, we've almost been an hour and 20 minutes. Like you, you don't have like scientific, this is the answer. This is like, if you, if you get this nailed down, this is, this, you'll be fine. Right. But you've also got an experience which you you can say if you get this nailed down, you'll it's be right, you. yeah. sort of thing. So there's like there's these two dichotomies, and so you're sitting in this space, um, 
and I think Richard Raw talks about like liminal space, like this space in between where you're where you're sitting between things that you can't fully make sense of one way or the other, yeah. um, but you're sitting in an area that you are okay with that. Yeah. And it's like even with when you're talking about what you were just saying with Jesus, um, like you're sitting in this space that you're open to mm. the potential of what could be yeah. if we allow it, like and if we go into that dark night of the soul and, and face that trauma and all of those sorts of things. Like it, it becomes your, it sounds to me and I could be wrong and I don't want to like simplify what you do is and just like water it down. But it sounds like all you're really doing is just creating a space for people to, to like look at the mirror and, and, and like help themselves essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and of course that's the only way that people ever really get any help at all. Right. You know, Jesus would heal people. He didn't say, Hey, aren't you glad I'm here? You know, he, he would say, your faith has made you well. Yeah. He'd say, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made yeah. you well. That, that is the nature of, of healing yeah. yourself. And, and it yeah. sounds like you are still very inspired by scriptures. Yeah. Very, it's a language with which you use a lot of, but it also sounds like you're holding it very differently. Yeah. I was speaking to a, a few people I, I know, and, and, and they were the questions... That, that seems really important to, to those people who are probably very traditionally Christian. Like, yeah, but do you believe that Jesus died yeah. on the cross to save us from our sins? And, and, yeah. and it sounds like you have used the exact same language, but when I hear you say it, I'm hearing something very different. When I hear them say it, it I hear them say it as a, here is a tick box to yeah. determine whether you are part of my group and determine yeah. whether you're yeah. right or not. Yeah. When I hear you say the exact same things, Jesus died for the sins... I'm not hearing a transactional for yes. it. I'm That's hearing yeah. a sacrificial because of yeah. it, yeah. or and this this recognition of the metaphor still being important, this the language still being yeah. useful. But uh, I hear a different way in which you hold it, and uh, and it's interesting. Like it, like I keep saying, you're probably pissing off a lot of people yeah. because you're saying. Like no, I'm a Christian, and hearing you talk, you're using the same language, but in a way that many Christians would bristle against, would yeah. bristle against yeah. as well. But it sounds like you're you're okay with that. So with with saying that, what do you say then? How do you view the Christian that would look at you yeah. with that assessment? Yeah. How, how do you how do you look at how do you see them? Yeah. Um, I, I see and what do you have to say to them? Yeah. No, you know, I, I see that. I say that to anybody. I say, listen, like. The problem is if you, if you, I would say to anybody that would look at me and say, Hey, it's totally fine. And I understand it. The question of course is only, what do you want? If you seek, you'll find if the knock, if you knock, the door will be open. Just keep knocking. I would say, you don't have to listen to me or anybody else, but make sure that you're knocking your two, two assets that I would say you have to have. This is as scientific as I get is you got to have curiosity yeah. and you got to have courage because if everybody said, if you're at 22 mm -hmm. years old and you're saying, this is it, you're in a lot of trouble. Right? So it's one of those things where, where, yeah. Where, you know, when someone said, I don't, I don't cast my pearls before a swine, as it says in the Proverbs, right? And it says, I don't, yeah. I don't talk where it's not, I'm not asked to talk. And I don't, and if you guys hung out with me in, in a social circle, I wouldn't really say much unless somebody asked my opinion, you know, you wouldn't hear me talk a lot, but I, yeah. but I do have a, I do have a deep compassion for people living at a level of consciousness that where survival is the main point, you know, when survival is the main mm -hmm. point, that's a tough place to be. Now, the nice thing is every once in a while from where I'm at. I, it's like in the matrix when that one guy was like, can you put me back in the matrix? I'm like, I just, I just want to taste the ju juicy yeah. steak and just, 
ignorance is bliss. You yeah. know, there's an element of that that's yeah. true to that. He who increases knowledge increases suffering at some at some level because you can't ignore certain things that you used to ignore. Yeah. You can't, you know what I mean? So there's there's an element to that. But I I actually it took me a while to get here, I will say, but I have deep compassion and love. That's my that's my yeah. tribe. Now I don't interact with my tribe yeah. that much because my tribe mm. My tribe seems to be completely yeah. unable to accept me for who I am and to, unable to love me for who I am and unable to, sure. you know. They've pushed you yeah. out. Well, you know, and I, and I started by going, hey, you should come with me. And, yeah. of course, I was naive to the idea that they were happy where they were, you know. And so then eventually when you yeah. when you leave, you leave yeah, from that right. space and you realize they're not rejecting you. They're just staying alive. They're surviving. And if, and if what mm. you're saying, you know. Yeah. Path, That's what uh, they yeah. need to do. Yeah, the path of transformation, looks it looks like death at first. It's death first. It's crucifixion, then it's resurrection, but it, most mm-hmm. of them don't want to get crucified. <laughs> so. What I'm hearing, like to Conrad's question, was like there's a lot of love and compassion towards that and, and an understanding of mm. where the spiritual side of it, like spiritual in inverted commas, like you conservative Christian, Christian for example. Group, yeah. So, and I was talking about before how there's like this liminal space in between, which is where you're sitting, and then there's science on the other side. Yeah, hard so, facts, peer-reviewed yeah. studies, measurable yeah. things. So, we really appreciate what you're saying about to the, you know, the, the Christians. What about to the science? Like, what have you got to say to it's just confirmation bias, like it's expanded placebo effect. Like, it's not actually, because you can't measure it, because sure. you can't do X, Y, Z, because you can't teach it, because all of these things, like all of these problems that... Why it might, won't be a course at Melbourne University. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What do you say to the science same thing, side? Exact same thing. 100%. Because it's, it's, it's just the other side of the same okay. coin. You know? It, yeah. Yeah. They're right. just the other side yeah, of the same coin. If you... Yeah. If, the fruits of, you know, you know, it's like I heard Deepak Chopra say this one time. He's like, well, the hardcore scientists aren't changing the world. And they're not. They're not. You know, they're, they're you know, if you're, yeah. if you're, you know, it's, yeah. it's one of those things where you, you can, if we're, it's only the imagination and trying to understand the experiences that are people have it, that are people are having and, and, and that love that connects people that actually gives meaning to life. And so, you know, right. people are going, I'm, I'm not, but I'm yeah. not here to try to get anybody to believe what I believe. I did, but I, but if mm. people want, yeah. if they want to heal, they can, you know. And that, yeah, that liminal space that Cam's describing that you kind of sit in seems to be one that you came to from looking at both science and your traditional Christian upbringing and going, how does my experience fit? Yes. And because it didn't quite fit. of these two things. Yeah. Yeah. And like, how does it fit? And then you end up in a a different space. So, Seth, it's been amazing to talk to you again. We've opened another bloody can of worms, (laughs) haven't we? Like... <laughs> we'll so, just do story one of, if you days, any, if you're one, one of these days let's just do story time you're like okay give me your top three exorcism stories and your top three haunted house stories yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> story time with seth friend yeah. of the show yeah. for sure yeah. like it, it's if, if you're listening to seth and i mean i, I almost don't relate to it anymore because i've done this so much mm. um is that when you when you listen to a new idea and it really actually not happens sometimes when it's like so important to you yeah. and 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 you feel like an emotion and go what is that i mean for me now that's a bit of excitement i'm like what yeah. what am i missing like yeah. what am i not understanding what can i learn from do this? i agree yeah. do i disagree i don't yeah. really care if yeah. you if you have a question we covered a lot of ground with Seth if you have a question Send it through to us. Um, you can probably send it through to Seth on his Instagram. Yeah. But if you want to keep exploring Seth's ideas more, let us know. We may yeah. get him back. You know, yeah, he's very yeah. busy. Maybe we'll give him a break for a while <laughs> and then get him back. 
later. Um, but if you have any questions, send them through to Ideas Digest. You can find yeah. us on Instagram. Email is ideasdigest at gmail.com. Yeah. We're tuned in live so people can share their thoughts and yeah. questions to yeah. further un- unpack. That brings us to the end of the formal podcast proceeding Seth it's been great to have you here if you have anything you need to say to add in or whatever yeah. you, can, you can go for no, it no man that's it I am so appreciative thank you for having me on I, anytime, anytime I, I, I'm, it's amazing to me that I get to sit here and just say what I think and people want to hear it so I'm, I'm kind of blown away by it so. that's good yeah. we, we love it and if you yeah. if you love Seth's idea I'm actually reading through his book Feels Like Redemption right now I'm a yeah. very slow reader Seth so. <laughs> just, hey, just so you know that's just so you know that's I wrote that five years ago I'm not quite the same guy I was that's so just, you know. Okay. Yeah, it's right. a good it's a good entry point though. Yeah, so yeah. and you Seth Allen Taylor dot com he does coaching uh, he's yeah. easy to get a hold of real down to earth guy send yeah. him a message and and, yeah. and make get in again, touch. Again we appreciate your time, your vulnerability, yeah, like absolutely. your expertise, your experiences, like all of these things are really valuable to not just us but like people listening yeah, and stuff. So yeah. kudos yeah. and thank you. Thanks yeah. for listening. Catch everyone in the next episode.